afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters, for the 1st of August, 2023. I'm joined by the Right Honourable Andrew Bridgen. I'm only honourable. I'm not a privy councillor. <laughs> oh, sorry. The Honourable. I think I did that last time as well. I'm sure you corrected me on that it's last time. It's only a matter of time. Uh, but MP for the Reclaim Party and uh, all round uh, interesting chap because you're, you're getting stuck into things, aren't you? Um, so I thought that the first thing we'd do is um, talk about your uh, ongoing war against the um, orthodoxy regarding the vaccines. Um, would you like to tell us, uh, just give, give everyone a kind of background on how you've been approaching this, as in how you came to be maybe a member of the Reclaim Party, and then what you've been doing regarding the vaccine harms. How long have we got? About, um, about 20 minutes. About 20 minutes. Okay, I'll give you a brief resume. Um, I've been sceptical of the uh, response to um, the, the pandemic response. The lockdowns voted against the last two. Um, the Plan B, I voted against everything. Sceptical about the masks, and obviously that's now proven that they're no good at all. That was pure psychological warfare and control. Um, and I think it, the, the boiling point for me came when the MHRA in the end of November... 22 uh, rec asked for a recommendation that the experimental vaccines were rolled out to children down to the age of six months. Mm. I'll declare an interest. I do actually have a four-year-old. Well, I've got kids. That yes, too, and, so. uh, and, uh, I, I, I don't think anyone's going to begrudge you for having an interest in the welfare of your own children. And other people's children. And, and, other, and, and other people's children. So there's no, um, I knew that there was going to be a huge political backlash when I laid out the fact that the, in my view, and the, the view of a growing number of scientists who aren't on the payroll of Big Pharma, in fact, most of the scientists who aren't on the payroll of Big Pharma, yeah. that the vaccines are neither, well, we know they're not effective, they don't stop transmission or yeah. um, contracting the virus, and uh, they're not safe. They are experimental, um, which is why, you know, Big Pharma mm. needed to have immunity from prosecution. Mm. And You'd have to think, you know, maybe if they were safe and effective, as they keep being told all the time they are, surely after billions of doses have already gone out around the world, they wouldn't still need immunity from prosecution. For, for and it's also interesting that um, the Indian government have refused Pfizer a license with immunity from yeah. prosecution uh, on the basis that they said we want to do an independent study of whether your vaccine is safe and effective. And India now is the largest market in the world. It's um, 1.3 billion, bigger population than China as of this summer. And uh, Pfizer declined the generous offer of subjecting their product to a full independent evaluation. Well, we, we learned this. So from, they'll, they'll forgo the biggest market yeah, in the world. We learned this from the leaked uh, Albanian contract, didn't we? That they were not only immune from uh, prosecution, but I, I believe it was in there that they didn't even have to deliver the product. Like they, it was such an unbelievably lopsided set of arrangements that no reasonable person would go into it, go into any contract where the scales are so weighted. Well, what, well surely advanced. Ursula van der Leyen would. Well, isn't her husband one of the executives? Well, yes. It's all, it's all very incestuous, isn't it? Yes. There's a lot of money being made. Uh, so I, I spoke out on the 13th of. It's just a quick thing there. I, I saw a thing where something like, you know, the, the overwhelming. A majority of Pfizer's profits now are coming from the vaccine. A company that never made a vaccine before Bill Gates, the great philanthropist, uh, put the, in £55 million pounds in 
September 19, just before the pandemic. Also, the company that's had to pay out the most in compensation to people. I mean, you mean fines? Yeah, fines, yeah. It's, 33 but, billion. They've, uh, the, the big pharma itself has paid out 33 billion in fines yeah. over the last 10 years for harms and misrepresentation. Yeah, and fi- Pfizer themselves are the ones who have paid the, the largest single payout uh, because they're a trustworthy company. Absolutely. So, um, so, so we, yeah. got, we got to this point, and I, 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 I undernard, um, and I, I knew there'd be a huge political cost to pay. Um, and I thought, well, uh, I want to look myself in the mirror. I know what I know. Um, I've got the science behind me. Um, I couldn't look at the children again uh, if, uh, if I didn't speak out when I know. Uh, and also, my degree from university is in all the right things, mysteriously. It was only something I was interested in. I never used it. So, And what was it again? Biological sciences, subsidiary biochemistry, specialising in genetics, virology, and behaviour. Right, so you, you happen to be exactly perfectly placed to actually have expertise on that. And it's a long time ago, but I've tried to keep my knowledge up. But yeah. it does mean that when scientists, current scientists and leaders of the science give me the papers, I can read them and understand what, yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah. So I'd, I'd read a lot of papers, um, seen the Omicron stuff from South Africa and spoken to them directly. So I knew that was the best thing that had ever happened because viruses mutate to be more transmissible. Uh, less pathogenic, which is what Omicron was from the South African evidence. Plan B was a load of old rubbish. So I spoke, spoke against that. And in the end of that debate, I said that the only the words I get, it will be in Hansard at the end of that speech, will be that uh, the only pandemic the world's really been suffering in the UK is a pandemic of fear, and it's got to stop yeah. now. Um, so I don't think they liked that too much. I think they thought I was probably on to them. Um, so I... I knew that I was going to get a backlash for speaking out on, on the vaccines, safe and effective, going against the narrative, for, especially for small children. No, no child, healthy child under 11 has died of COVID anywhere in the world. So I, I thought I could probably explain to the most pro-vaccine person that there was a risk from the vaccine uh, and there was basically no risk for healthy children uh, from COVID itself, especially not when we got to Omicron which had a transmission rate, an R rate of about 12 or 14. I think the original Wuhan strain was an R rate of two or three. Well, I mean, we couldn't stop that spreading. So what chance have we yeah. got of spreading, of stopping? Whatever measures were taken, even China with their draconian lockdown, couldn't stop the spread of Omicron. Yeah. Not on 14. It's just too transmissible. And then it was endemic in the population. So I thought I could, it, I could persuade the most pro-vaccine person that this was a bad idea, vaccinating babies. Mm with uh, these experimental vaccines. So um, I, I did the speech, and from that moment on, I was cancelled by the mainstream media, uh, completely blacklisted. Um, and then I was on the media a lot before that, and the newspapers and everything. They just yeah. don't, don't, don't ring me anymore. In fact, they run away from me. The lobby run away from me. The, the lobby all know it's absolutely true. They are scared to death because they do not know what to do because they can't speak out because they're... they're, they're and my colleagues, obviously, um, I think I've been the top one of the top five items in a Conservative MP's inbox since that date. And although it, and although the speech was never mentioned in the mainstream media, it probably has had been seen thirty million times on social media. So it's had a lot of coverage. People then write to their MPs, 
the government prepared, and I got hold of the PRU because I was still in the Conservative Party at the time. Yeah. Uh, got hold of the PRU letters, and the, the letters were <coughs> basically saying I was a conspiracy theorist, and you know, yeah. and all the rest of it, and they were safe and effective. Well, I mean, they've made Conservative MPs not only put their hands in their blood; they're up to their armpits yeah. uh, in it, so they're committed. We got round to January, and I had a meeting with a very senior backbencher who would be well-known to all of you. And uh, I had an hour hour with him in his office. He'd spoken to the party. And at the end of that hour, the takeaway message was I was told there is currently no political appetite, Andrew, for your views on the vaccine. There may be in 20 years' time, and you're probably going to be proved right. In the meantime, you need to bear in mind you're taking on the most powerful vested interest in the world with all the personal risk for you that that entails. That was not the answer I was looking for, to be honest. And uh, It's not really a very good answer, is it? It's not acceptable. Uh, but it's nothing new when you think about it. I mean, all the cover-ups I've exposed while I've been yeah. an MP, the, the post office scandal. I mean, I knew after, after 18 months they were all innocent. So 10, 2012, I knew they were all innocent. By 2013-14, I could prove it, and I went to every news agency there was on a regular basis, ITV, BBC, all the, all the major newspapers, and said, These, this is the biggest miscarriage of justice ever. There's 736 sub-postmasters criminally convicted. This is how, and I've got all the evidence, and they wouldn't talk about it. They said, we don't, we don't talk about that. It's exactly the same as the vaccine harms now. Yeah. Well, I mean, the government, covered, the government covered up that for 10 years. Yeah. So it's not out of, uh, <clears throat> obviously, they would be confident they could cover the vaccine harms up for 20 years. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm determined that's not going to be the case. So I've spoken out again on the 17th of March using the ONS, well, well figures that were given to the UK Health Safety Agency. Uh, and they'd been given them in November before the MHRA had asked for permission to roll out boost the, the vaccines to small children. And <clears throat> this gave the numbers needed to vaccinate. And when you worked out, it was one in 800 average from Pfizer and Moderna's own trial data. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> one in 800 would have a serious adverse event. When you need to vaccinate 934,000 <clears throat> healthy 40 to 49-year-olds to keep one person out of the hospital, that's not out of intensive care. Yeah. Well, not only the, the numbers. I mean, the explanation for the fact that the NHS is overwhelmed, a lot of it is the, has been the vaccine harms. Um, so, and also the cost. I mean, you're talking £30 million to keep one person from going to hospital presenting with COVID-19 symptoms, not going into intensive care. It was much more than that, millions. Um, and um, at a cost of, what, 1,100 people would be in hospital yeah. or dead? Well, I mean, bonkers, absolutely madness. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I think I described it in my speech as, uh, as state-sponsored self-harm. So can we... And, and, and although the government will say that yeah. they discredited all my speeches... Yeah, no, I don't. They, they never, they never, they weren't able to, uh, they didn't approve the vaccines for babies down to six months in December. They did in Australia, America, Canada, all those countries in Europe. 
and they didn't. And after my speech about the number need to vaccinate, and also there was there was sixty six percent vaccine hesitancy amongst NHS staff. Yeah, last autumn. Yeah, I mean they know. Um, so after that, then mysteriously again, I was, they, they didn't take any notice of anything I said. But within a week or two, mm. um, the boosters are only for over seventy fives and the immunocompromised. So I did get the government to move their position. And where we are now, I've now got evidence which I put into the government to the Attorney General from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Yeah. Mysterious, actually, the the same the same. Um, academic that i retweeted that got me yeah, kicked out of the conservative party uh for uh, you are suing matt hancock aren't you oh yes i am yes yeah, well, of course we are it's disgusting disgusting of course we are the, the hancock creature um and um what this evidence shows is that pfizer have misled the country or well, the world yeah uh, that there were two batches of the original vaccine they made one which they tested on forty-four thousand people which got them approval mm-hmm. but i mean if you actually look at that trial data which they tried to hide for 75 years i mean it's it's it's, it's yeah, shockingly yeah. bad but it's not as bad as as the vaccine yellow card and vares reports would say mm-hmm. the one they rolled out the reason is that the the vaccine that pfizer actually rolled out was not the same one that they tested on forty-four thousand people so, and we know that for sure and the MHR, so I, was, I was going to ask you how, how do we know how do we know well the evidence is not only of, of, of the academics at the Hebrew University, who are not scientists, they're criminologists. They went through the papers. They're fraud investigators. Right. And they found that there were two batches. So basically, the one that was for 44,000 people was a handmade specific batch of vaccine. So it was like a prototype that, the, that everyone was working on just to make mm-hmm. 44. But the commercial batch was actually manufactured in a completely different way, cultured in Escherichia coli, which the first batch wasn't. Um, and you can prove that by you'll remember that when the vaccines were rolled out in the UK, after the first day, there was a change of policy, and they said everyone's got to stay at the vaccine centre for 15 minutes yeah, to test for anaphylaxis. Yeah. Well, they weren't suspecting anaphylaxis because all the test data they'd been given, that 44,000 batch that was used, trialled on, on those individuals, that wasn't cultured in Escherichia coli. You only get anaphylaxis with endotoxins in the vaccine. Now, they come from culturing in bacteria. So, so basically, it's like, as far as the vaccines are concerned, the Pfizer vaccine, it's a bit like the public was shown a car in a showroom, which they thought yeah, was the yeah, one they were buying. But the one they actually got was out the back, and they never saw it, and it's never been tested on anyone. So there could have been no informed consent because... Hmm. Everyone was told it's safe. It's safe. Told. It's safe and effective. We've trialed it on forty-four thousand people. Hmm. I mean, those results were shocking. I mean, it should never have had approval on, off that, but they gave it approval. But that wasn't what you what the UK population of the world got. Also, the booster was a different vaccine as well, which was untested, and we can tell that by the difference in the harms. And it's and the extra harms is not because it's cumulative third dose, because even people who just had the booster got different harms to right and then that's all and they were telling people to mix and match these well, that, well, well that mix and matching is a brilliant way of making sure you don't know who to sue yeah I suppose who to blame is. now the mhra must have known i mean if i can work it out with my degree in, from nottingham university a long time ago and they can work it out in the hebrew university who are criminologists mm. uh from the the mhra they changed the rules on after the first day of vaccination because people were suffering anaphylaxis 
that means that they knew. They knew that it had been cultured in E. coli. They knew that it was different to the stuff that had been trialled. Now, if they didn't tell the minister, and I have presumed that they didn't tell the minister, that's why the ministers went out and said they're safe and effective when they were untested. Mm. And the MHRA have committed a criminal offence, which has never been tested in law, but by not telling ministers information they, should have, they would have known, that is a criminal offence. So that's yeah. why I sent the papers to the Attorney General. The Attorney General has moved them on to the Department of Health for answer. And all I want to know, really, in the short term is, were the ministers told? that these vaccines, this is not the same vaccine that was trialled, it's a different vaccine manufactured in a completely different way. Effectively, it's untested. I don't think they can say that they did, because then they couldn't say it was safe and effective because it was an untested vaccine. And therefore, as I come back to my point, no one could have given informed consent because they were all misled. And I hope they weren't misled by the ministers. It would have been better if we'd just been conned and they'd given us water. Not us, though. I, I never got vaccinated. So that's the latest bombshell. Um, and, I'm, and on top of that, when you've got the, the Swiss data, which came out uh, three or four days ago, yeah. the test of 777 uh, medical workers post-Moderna booster, one in 35 showing signs of myocarditis. Yeah, one in 35? One in 35. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, it, and, and if you know about it, and you don't take rigorous exercise, yeah. there's a better chance of recovery. Right. This explains why so many athletes yes. are falling over. Yes. They're taking rigorous exercise you all the time. You see the push to, for it to be normalized. And, it, and, it, and, it, and they actually looked for it because a lot of it was asymptomatic, i.e. the people who were suffering from these heart problems had no symptoms and didn't realize it. But they've got uh, raised toponin levels, which is a, a marker, and they actually tested. And they ran it against 777 medical workers who didn't get the, the Moderna booster. So yeah. this is the Moderna booster. We know that Pfizer. We know that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was withdrawn. Mm -hmm. I tried to have an urgent question on that weeks ago when it was in America. Yeah. They withdrew it, and the, and, and the CDC said all stocks to be destroyed. Was the Moderna one withdrawn from Australia? No, AstraZeneca. It was the AstraZeneca. But very, very late. Yeah. Now, the AstraZeneca and the <clears throat> Johnson & Johnson, they were both, they weren't messenger RNA. No. They were DNA in an adenovirus vector. Right. It's interesting that both of those have been withdrawn for safety concerns. Well, a number of people in the UK will have taken the Johnson & Johnson, and I thought we should have an urgent question. What advice is the government giving to these people? I mean, I took, the, I took two doses for my which much to my regret of AstraZeneca, yeah. which was so bad that it was withdrawn around the world fairly quickly. Yeah. Although it's interestingly, that is still being pumped out under a different name in India, manufactured in India as Covishield. I'm so glad I never took any of the vaccines. Just so glad. And no, no, neither did my immediate family. Just, uh, I just said no, because I don't trust it. And it's not because I have any knowledge of it. It's just because I'm really skeptical of the government. Um, so can we can we talk about the um, excess deaths? Because we can, but we, we can't talk about it in Parliament. I've been <laughs> I've been asking for a debate on the excess deaths. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got many gripes. What What are the excess deaths at the moment running at? They're running about eight percent average. That means some weeks they're twenty two. The few weeks there have been less. Um, we've basically had over twelve months now of yeah. of excess deaths. Normally, after a pandemic, where the weak and feeble have been culled out by a, a pathogen. Mm. 
uh, sadly, you would expect a period just fewer of fewer excess deaths because obviously you've had excess deaths during yeah. the pandemic. Those people probably would have lived for another vulnerable. The vulnerable have passed, have passed away early. Yeah. Well, they you know that that's not happened. What we've actually seen is is continued excess. It's a, a persistent pattern of about what ten percent. And it's not average. just it's not just here, is it? We're <coughs> seeing it in America. Yeah. In fact, you're seeing it everywhere where there was <clears throat> a major rollout of a certain medical procedure. What what's the official explanation? There is no. They're saying it's a mixture of things and. Right. It's people not going to hospital. And we had the statins, didn't we? Yeah. It wanted to give statins down to 10-year-olds. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, we've got uh, now defibrillators going in every school. Hmm. Did anyone have a heart attack at school while no. you were there? No, not one. Not even a teacher? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing this normalized in the media. It's, oh, well, you know, healthy 20-something 20, 20 athletes just die of heart attacks on the field. No, they don't. That's never happened. And, and, and news presenters collapse while they're giving broadcasts. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. on radio or TV, yeah, this is just hopefully not today though. Well, no, hopefully not today. But it's 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 being grossly normalised. Oh, I, I thought that was appalling. That uh, British Heart Foundation advert with sort of yeah. a thirteen-year-old girl playing football collapsing with a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, maybe it will be the the normal in the future. Well, of course, uh, and as well because we've had the pandemic excess deaths, and then we've had another year of excess deaths. I mean, eight percent isn't the real figure if we compare pre-pandemic because on a five-year rolling average we've already got two years of excess deaths mitigating the, the excess deaths we've got now feeding yeah. into the numbers so in, in another three years we might not have any excess deaths at all because it'd be completely normalized on the ons figures but i've put in every week every week for the last at least uh, six months mm. for a debate on excess deaths and i've put in for uh, an adjournment debate on it, which there are five a week, four yeah. or five a week, four a week. I've put in for a Westminster Hall debate, which there are plenty. Um, I've even put in for a backbench business debate, which is authorised by the backbench business committee. Ian Meehan's uh, MP, Labour MP, is the chair of that. And I went to him and said, look, we've got all these excess deaths that are affecting my constituency, everybody's constituency, every community. Mm. Why aren't we talking about it? And he said to me, I'll get you the, I'll get you the signatures. But he never did. And I went down to the Labour end of the tea room, and I know there's something wrong with our democracy. When I go down to the Labour end of the tea room and say, come on, guys and girls, let's have a debate. You sign here. We can have a debate on excess deaths. You can stand up in that chamber and say, it's, them, it's those Tories have ruined the NHS. That's why everyone's dying early. Yeah. Make a political point if you want to, and I can tell the people the truth. And when they turn around to me and say, Andrew, we don't want to talk about it, You've come to the wrong pub, they said. That was, those are the words. We're not talking about it. Something seriously has gone wrong in our democracy. So we can't so have a debate simple, about it. But it's true. Just, just think, no, no, just a thing on the Labour Party notes. That, that's, that's awful because that's clearly them essentially electioneering and avoiding a, a difficult topic that... Well, they, were, they, they wanted more lockdowns and more mandates and more vaccines. And but, all, but also, I think they're eyeing the next election, right? The next general. And they're thinking, we're not going to rock the boat. We're, no. We're just going to stay the course because we're, we're on target for a big win. We're on target for a big win. We'd all like a red box yeah. and a, a car and uh, a chauffeur. And we are willing to let the excess deaths, the, 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 our constituents who pass away before their time, 
our collateral damage to the political aims of the Labour Party and our Parliament. Yeah, all of them. All of them. Um, it's appalling. I, I'm appalled. I'm appalled. And of course, because we're not having that debate and we're not getting to, I mean, it, it, if it wasn't the vaccine harms, if it wasn't the vaccine that was causing it, something's causing it. Yeah. And while we don't know what it is, we're not treating it. I mean, if if we had sort of like a temp, but it is cardiac deaths. problems. I mean, it's it's mostly heart attacks. Yeah, I mean, There's I, a lot I, of people dropping dead at home. Yeah. it's not people. There is an increase in hospitals, but the biggest increase, only twenty seven, thirty percent increase, is people suddenly dying at home. So they didn't even know there was something wrong with them. I mean, it's incredible how there's a sort of you know, ten percent or whatever excess deaths suddenly happening, and that's not of any interest to our government. Well, there'll be more excess deaths. Uh, soon than there than there were during COVID anyway, yeah. so, but no one's interested. I mean, we're having you know counts every night of the excess deaths, yeah. weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not having it now, and yeah. they're they're just just a, normal, now. just normal now. So, um, so something is yeah. going is very strange, uh, and we need to get to the bottom of it. Once again, our parliament is not working for the people, but then there's many of those issues, and I'm yeah. sure we're going to come on to some more of them. Yeah, that's nothing terribly new. Um, but I suppose we'll leave that there. And uh, well, I won't. I won't leave it. Well, no, you you won't. We're, for now, we'll leave that. We'll there. leave that topic but, there. Uh, honestly, no. It's just it, the implications of this are just so vast. And it, and it is interesting. I'll, I'll just share one more thing with your viewers. I am a conservative female. Obviously, I was thrown out of the party for my views on the vaccines. Yeah. Uh, and I sit on my own in Parliament now. I had to cross the floor. I sit on my own in the tea room in the dining room. Um, and a, a really soft-hearted, fairly newly elected Conservative female MP came up to me and she said, I'm really worried about you, Andrew, because you're so isolated. You know, you, you're isolated in Parliament and yeah. in the chamber and you're isolated in the rest. Of the I'm really worried about you. I said, well, don't be worried because, A, the public, are becoming very aware, and, and I've got a lot of support there. But also, there are about 4,000 real people who work in Parliament. They're the cooks, the cleaners, the security guards, the clerks, the staffers for other MPs. And 75 80% of those have come up to me and said, keep going, you're the only one batting for us. They all know, because even the, even the cleaners in Parliament are, are politically aware, because it's that sort of place. Parliament. It's Parliament. <laughs> so yeah, they're interested. And they can't say anything politically yeah. because they would actually lose their jobs yeah. for doing it but they can quietly come up to me or we yeah. can, they can meet me on the way into parliament off the yeah, estate yeah. and yeah i mean they're all so 80 75 80 percent of the people who really work in parliament they all know yeah. i've even got staffers of mps who would stand up in that chamber today and said the lockdowns were essential the vaccines are safe and effective and they've spoken to me and said when is this cover-up going to end because they're sending the letters out and they object to having to send the letters out because they know it's not true. I don't, think, I don't think the government are going to be able to keep a lid on this for 20 years. Well, I hope not. I, I, I'd like it done in the next 20 minutes if it was my way, which is why I'm, I'm banned from the mainstream media because we have all the evidence. It's overwhelming. Speaking of other things that are not true, let's... Uh... <clears throat> Let's have a conversation about Labour's wrangling with the concept of woman, shall we? Um, you said you were interested in this. That uh, you're you're actually interested in this uh, the, the turf question. 
Well, I've yeah. Well, I mean, I've been aware of what's going on. Mm. Um, I'm aware of what's being taught to our children. Mm. Um, I bought in uh, a ten minute rule motion a few weeks ago, a month ago probably. Um, much to the government's chagrin, I, I, I snuck in there to the uh, to the office and uh, was there at nine o'clock and, and got the slot in fourteen days later, which. Right. Basically, the 10-minute rule motions are shared out between the government and opposition parties' whips offices of who's going to have that 10-minute slot to try and present a bill. So um, I had to sneak in there and, and get a slot. Um, the clock's office were very helpful and very supportive. So I, I proposed to bring in the uh, um, Child Protection and Parental Rights Bill, uh, a bill which um, would have outlawed... Um, social transitioning in schools mm -hmm. um, and would have also reiterated the rights of parents to know what their children are being taught in RSE and PHSE yeah. education, which is not, is, is, is pretty shocking. So, you know, I know now that we, you know, what they're, that f five year olds are being shown pictures or well, drawings of male and female genitalia, including an erect penis with a scrotum, and have to identify them. That's, that's what five-year-olds are being taught in our schools today. Right. Uh, I know that um, nine-year-olds are being taught about masturbation. Yeah. And 11 and 12-year-olds are being taught of the joys and, of uh, anal and oral sex. I don't think these are. I've, 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 I've been sent. I've been sent, and and the transsexual gender fluidity stuff. Yeah. I've been sent from a ten-year-old, the the mother of a ten-year-old photocopied, or took a photo and sent me, which yeah. is on my Twitter, his homework, which was, was absolutely. It's neither appropriate nor necessary for a ten-year-old to know that. You know what the sexuality of Jack, who had a boyfriend, had a girlfriend, but then also had a boyfriend, and, yeah. and all this. But what to gender them all? Well, this this um, happened. This this sort of thing happened. And it's it is actually gender ideology that people that men can be women and women can be men is an ideology. Oh, and, and, it, and it's it's now become an indo they're, they're indoctrinating children in something that's not scientific. Yeah. That is actually illegal under the 1993 Education Act because political indoctrination is illegal. You're not allowed to do that. Um, but well, the, schools this... are, I think the schools are breaking the law. And I will say that the from the Reclaim Party, we also yeah. paired up with, we also linked very closely to the Bad Law Project. Yeah. We are taking the government, Department of Education, to court. Mm -hmm for not protecting children, uh, uh, safeguarding them from the gender ideology uh, and also um, the, uh, the sex education. I mean, one of the best ways of, of diagnosing or spotting that, that young children have been sexually abused is that they have inappropriate knowledge for their age. Yes. All children are having, having inappropriate knowledge for their age. Yeah. I mean, this, this is something that happened with my eldest daughter when she was 11. She came home from school one day and said, I'm, I'm gay. I was like, what? no, you're not. So yeah, I, I'm going to have a girlfriend. I was like, okay. I didn't push it because I didn't want her thinking this was something she could be rebellious on. Um, but she's 13 now, and now she's got a boyfriend. Just it just drops away as soon as the indoctrination stops, right? Yeah. Well, we've got a situation now where in some schools, one in 15, yeah, um, children think that they're in the wrong bodies. Yeah, it's mad. It's it's uh, well, it's, we've got a social contagion. 
Yeah. Um, but it's not just social contagion. It's, it's also being privileged. It's being treated as if it's something novel and interesting. You yeah. get special attention. Special attention. Yeah. All your problems will go away. And not just that, like you, you'll, you'll be given priority. Yeah, and, 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 and sex education at the appropriate time with the appropriate materials should be a bridge between parents and the school, and now it's a barrier. I mean, because lots of schools were especially unwilling to show the parents what they're actually showing the children. Well, it's obvious. And that's, that's, and, obviously. And parents have a right, a right to that information. But obviously, in fact, in my bill, you... which was voted down by Parliament, <laughs> yeah. uh, Labour and 10 Conservative MPs voted it down, so I didn't get a chance to bring my bill forward. Yeah. Um, you know, that was absolutely unbelievable. If anyone, if anyone's trying, I, it to was hide. called despicable. I was called despicable by uh, by uh, a Labour MP who opposed opposed the bill. Well, if you're not being called despicable by a Labour MP, I think you're doing something wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, I I know what makes them cheer. But it's also <laughs> interesting now that that it raised such the profile yeah. that that you've got people like. Um, the blunt instrument uh, that is Lee Anderson, yes. the uh, deputy chairman of the Conservative yeah. Party, you know, writing in the Express only a couple of days ago, a month after I bought my bill in, which they could have easily got through, uh, saying that to, I've told Rishi he's got to drop all this trans stuff in schools. It's well, he does. Completely, well, well, of I mean, course he has. Yeah, but and now you know, and I, you know, I, and I, I pointed out at the, in the bill that it was in well in a question to the leader of the house a couple of weeks mm. ago that it was interesting. They were pushing all this ideology in schools which is indoctrination it's illegal at the same time as very senior politicians in this house mm. appear unable to define what a woman is well let's let's talk about defining what a woman is but before we go on uh, go over register on com, sign up and watch a, con a very difficult conversation about sexuality and gender that i had with philip tanza uh, a men's rights advocate who has spent a long time thinking about this uh, he is a an ex-gay porn star who has come out of that lifestyle with a great deal of experience and knowledge that someone who I'm, I'm very normal. So I've never been in any of these sort of spaces. And so I, he, he has a lot of, like not first, yet. You haven't, not yet. He has a lot of firsthand knowledge that actually I didn't consider. Um, the, the question of gender roles is actually one between men and women and therefore gay men and lesbian women actually don't engage in gender roles in the same way as straight couples do. And yeah. so that changes a lot of the perception and underlying dynamic of how they express gender. And so it, it, this is his argument why LGBT actually is correct rather than LGB and T as a separate thing. It's actually there's an anomaly in the understanding of gender that each of these categories have. It's a very interesting conversation. And but I, they are a minority of about 2% of the population. They are. We'll, 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 how, how could... How could the view of the, of a minority then be <laughs> absolutely inf inflicted upon the majority? Yeah, well, we'll go into this. So, uh, Anne-Lise Dodds, uh, the that was he, shadow health secretary, is she um, wrote an article recently in the Guardian, uh, saying that the Labour Party is going to try and thread a very fine needle on this subject, which I think is very interesting um, because I mean, she says that she's very proud that the Labour Party created. Uh, the Gender Recognition Act and the Equality Act that uh, enabled trans people to legally change their gender and protected them from discrimination. Uh, and uh, that <clears throat> they, but she wants to be able to commit to protecting women as well. 
Because, of course, we saw this with Nicola Sturge. Well, it's the hierarchy of victimhood. And, and when is. they come into conflict with each other, Labour go into a spin because everyone's a victim and who's a bigger victim. And, but also yeah, there's, yeah. there's an intransigent conflict here, as Nicola Sturgeon found out. It's if a person can identify as a woman, then a rapist can identify as a female and get put into a women's prison, uh, which is something that she had to deal with and was very damaging to her. We'll have to build career. women's prisons, but not for women. Well, that's the, that's okay, exactly only for, people, only for people who are declaring as women. That that is exactly the the um, petard that Sturgeon got hoisted on. In fact, uh, so they are they are women sometimes, but not women other times. Uh, it's basically what it came down yes. to. Yes, I mean, yes. I mean, can you be raped by a woman? Can well, a woman be raped by le- a woman? legally? No, legally it requires um, yes an appendage. Yeah, and so legally, a woman can't rape a woman, and therefore. What are all these? What would you be charged with? What are these women rapists doing in prison? Exactly. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? it? It's a complete minefield. But she's determined to thread this, right? And so she is insistent that the Scottish government has gone too far in just having self ID. But on the other side, they want a medical diagnosis. So if a person has been medically diagnosed as having gender dysphoria, which is no longer a psychiatric disorder, um, apparently. Uh, and that's where you get the problem of the <coughs> girl who's identified as a cat. Uh, kind of, yeah. Because yeah. really, let's be, you know, she needs to have some some help. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but then if they referred her for help and she couldn't be a cat, then where does that end for them? And why can she not be a cat? <laughs> I mean, I know why I think so. But from their point of view, why do they? Well, it'd be rather messy with the toilet yeah. facilities, wouldn't it, in the kit, cat litter? So the, the point is, Ali's Dodds here is trying to thread this very fine needle where we end up protecting women's only spaces, so no males in female spaces, but also we want to uh, include... How do you do that when you don't know what a female or a Well, exactly. She, she doesn't say, actually. She doesn't have an answer. But that's what she's trying to do. And so the question goes on to, what is a woman? How, to, how do you identify who, who is appropriate to be in a female-only space? And of course, Keir Starmer famously said that uh, 0.1% of women have got a penis. Mm, bonkers. Yeah, it's mad. It's absolutely mad. Um, and that but, would be the one that happens to be uh, with your female children in the chamber. Yes. Uh, Rishi, lovely. Rishi Sunak had a solid answer on this. He said the woman is an adult and a female. And then Keir Starmer started hanging out with Tony Blair. And right on the heels of that, Keir Starmer was like, actually, a woman is an adult human female. Well, Captain Hindsight. And- <laughs> yes. But this is very obviously, Tony Blair has sat him down and gone, Keir, this is... Promoted to uh, major U-turn. Yes. You, you have declared that the women with penis constituency is 0.1% of the population. Yeah, but worked- They're not the voter base. But we worked out that was bigger than, um, than the capacity. That 0.1% <laughs> of the female UK population was bigger than the crowd capacity. Uh, at uh, the football stadium in Leicester. And there'd be a few queuing up outside. I imagine that it is. It's, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, that is, that is a lot, but it's, it's obviously not the case. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, so Keir Starmer is going to be uh, walking back the uh, self-identification um, option, which, again, Annalise Dodds has agreed with uh, that it has to be a medical diagnosis that upholds the legitimacy of applications and confidence in the system. Uh, he was on Radio 5 about a week ago and he was just like, well, a woman's an adult human female. Let's clear that one up. And it's like, oh, thank God. With, with, with two X chromosomes. With two X chromosomes. We have arrived 
at the position of reality where a woman is a female human and she's an adult like finally well he's, he's yeah finally. that's a shame because he, that when he hadn't done that i mean he he just couldn't relate yeah. to over to 51% of the electorate yeah and uh he's as he says with uh decided that self identification is not the right way forward so essentially he's had to choose a side you've got on well, one side this is because of the increased awareness that we've raised in parliament and yeah. he's been forced to He's chasing votes. It's not what he really believes, is it? Well, honestly, I don't know what he really believes. That's the thing. I mean, I I know that on the left, they want to expand the definition of woman to include males who identify as women. And so that's the constituency they're trying to serve, activists, the radical left activists. You do realize all this trans stuff is pretty anti-gay lesbian because there wouldn't be any gay or lesbian people because they'll all have to transition, won't they? That is uh, another issue that's happening, yes. I mean, tomboys are being called men. And, yeah. Uh, being, we, we, we're always yeah. going to have, you know, effeminate men. There will be effeminate yeah. men out there and there will be, be masculine women. A bit butch women. But that's always, we've always had them. But then now they'll all be transitioned. Well, that is, that but is. Ultimately, what, there won't be any gay people or lesbians because they'll, they'll have transitioned and they'll. It does raise the question, what happens to gay men if they become women and still engage in relations with men? Then they're not gay anymore. So you are right. This is a. Uh, an attack on that identity, should we say? Hmm. But um, but the but the point the point being, he's trying to serve a constituency of very radical left wing activists, and he's also trying to maintain a constituency of uh, people who are relatively normal when it comes to gender relations. And of course, this can't be done, and so Kirstam has finally fallen on one side, which is the side of normalcy, which is women are adult human females. Now you can imagine that this was received fairly poorly by. The radical left wing brigade who are flying their little flag to say we're crazy. Uh, he's ruled out this, and uh, this is just something they're very. Angry I do love. About. I do love the hypocrisy of the left. I mean, at least it's, it's one of their only consistencies. <laughs> they didn't have double standards. <laughs> wouldn't be the left. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have any at all. But uh, this, this was, this is just the general uh, result, the response from uh, average radical left wing activist. Uh, which is, I will never vote for Labour. In fact, if we go back to the previous one, if we scroll down, can I scroll down? Can we go down to the next tweet under there, John, just so people can see it, right? Uh, they say, if you're opposed to such policies, then don't vote Labour, vote Green. If you if you think that men can become women, vote Green. That's very sensible. Well, my old uh, Conservative Association uh, tweeted out after I was kicked out of the party that I think there were 76 genders. So, I mean, the Conservatives... Oh, brilliant. Are- I mean, I just average I, conservative opinion. That. I mean, I just God. absolutely. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I have got a copy of that one. Yeah. Don't worry for, for a very good. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, and of course, all this is happening in our schools on the conservatives' watch. And yeah. and I've asked parliamentary questions. I've asked questions to the prime minister about all of this. I have got a question on the sixth uh, of September when we come back, which might be quite interesting. I won't want to give away what it is, but it'll, it'll okay, be a good I'll one. keep an eye out. Um, and of course, Rishi Sunak can say we're having a review and we're doing this, and the leader of the house Why can say we're having a review. Well, I mean, just, he's the prime minister; he can stop yeah. it in the afternoon if he wants. Yeah, to. Literally, just he, just stop it, yeah. just stop it, That's, legislate. It's all gone. You know, don't even need to legislate. Well, there was nothing in the bill that I actually brought forward. The motion, yeah, that isn't actually the law. All I wanted was the law enforced. Right. Right. It is wrong to indoctrinate children in yes. school. It's, it is against the Education I mean, Act. We, we, and parents have a right to know what their children are being taught. We know it's a political ideology. Because it has a political flag. It literally has a flag. 
You know, it's we know that this is political. Like you think it couldn't be any more explicit. But anyway, when thought, you knock away from a child, I mean, that that sense of male and female, boys and girls, yeah. it's one of the one of the basics or tenets of the stability of life that you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you start attacking. I've only met identity. you a few times, but I'm pretty sure that you're male. Yeah, you know, that's if you if you now if I you would hope it's now if I find you're you're identifying as a female, you you're knocking away at the at the Jenga blocks that hold up my view of the world. Yeah, and children's that's all pretty fragile. Yeah, I think I said in my in my in my speech on the on the, on that bill that you know that the Jenga tower you keep pulling away at the foundations of of, of the Jenga tower, it, it's going to fall. Yes, and well, what, but that's I, the point. The, the the point of all of this is to ensure that they can't get a firm and objective grip on reality. That's the reason that they do it, because then you can get them to say and believe anything. And they, this is what they're aiming for. That's They want a world where anyone can just say that they are anything and have everyone around them accept that thing. Because well, yes, we've lost the science on whether it's vaccines, climate change, gender. It's about the narrative now, and it's not, mm. it's not about the science. It's how do people feel? It's it's literally today, it comes feel... it literally comes down to that and an objective reality stands in the way of these feelings and, and science and science yeah well they, they, there's a measurement of objective reality so it's got to change but anyway so this uh, seems to be a relatively sensible uh, maneuver because as you can see of the most gay countries in the world we're the least gay of the most gay uh, the Netherlands at six percent LGBT US at four point five Germany at three point nine. Uh, UK at 2.2%. Well, it, I, I did see some stats that said the UK population had the biggest pushback against the yes. transition. Yes, we're, we're actually winning the argument here, which is nice. Well, it's disappointing that we have to have the argument. Yes. Especially when we've got a conservative, supposedly yes. got a conservative government. It should have just, Why are we having the argument? It should have just been no on day one, and uh, that's the end of that. But, um, but a, this is a minor victory in the Battle of Turf Island. Uh, so that's, the war goes on. The war will go on, but at least on this front, we we've seen, held them. We've held the line, yes. <laughs> For the children. <laughs> yes, thank God. Um, you wouldn't believe it, though, if you looked at Merseyside Police. Well, of course, one of the reclaimed policies <sighs> is that we would depoliticize all public services. Oh, yeah, and, and no, it needs to happen. No pride months. Yeah. The only flag on a public building be the British be, flag. Union flag, which I mean, maybe maybe a regional flag like an English or Welsh flag or Scottish maybe. flag. You know, I would accept that. This no, just disgusting. I hate it. Anyway, we'll leave that there. Let's go on to talk about uh, climate change in the BBC. So, um, have you been uh, following the trend recently? Yes, of people noticing. I've getting been getting a bit hot under the collar about it. Actually, overheated about Pe it. People have been noticing that the uh, the weather maps that they're being presented <laughs> with are um, slightly apocalyptic, actually. And the BBC actually got wind of this because enough people were complaining on social media, like, "Hang on, we're actually not all dying in an inferno." Um, I've had people <laughs> texting me from Cornwall saying, "I don't know what's going on in in London." But it's so cold down here in July. Yes. We've had to put the heating on. Yes. Well, we can. We to, have some heat, yeah, please. Yeah, we had. To, uh, I mean, I hear there's been a heat wave in the Mediterranean, which good for them because we haven't been getting that. Uh, and it's well, just like everyone wants to go on holiday there. Yeah, it's exactly. Yes, yeah. summer. Isn't ex it? Exactly. Crazy. This is why people go on holiday to the Mediterranean because it becomes nice in summer. It's not going to rain, probably. Yes, and and I mean it. It would have been. It would have been less impactful. Had the weather in the UK not been so bad, I think you know, it'd been less of a contrast. But and and these wildfires, it's just 
Well, I'll talk about all of that in a minute, in fact. Um, but before we begin, go over and read this latest article by Simon Webb, uh, uh, one of our favorite historians, who's just talking about how climate change has become a religion for young atheists. Uh, because it, you know, it, it, it's not the entire religion itself, but there's always an apocalyptic element to most to the religions. There, there comes an end of days where the sin of mankind shall be washed away by a wrathful God. And that's what climate change actually is. It's a secular version of this. Oh, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's not man-made or anything like that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm no expert on climate change, but the narrative as well, man has done this. It might be man-made. I I, I could believe some of this. But I mean, the IPCC is only allowed to look at the anthropogenic part though. Yeah. And that might be five, 10% of the, of the warming might be down. I would, I would be shocked if it was only one thing. That was causing. Well, somebody tweeted out to me the other day, sort of text me the other day. It's amazing. We, you know, humans, we can, we, we can't uh, find a solution to the homeless, but we can raise the temperature of the world. Yeah, and if we can't even, if we can't even figure out what gender belongs in which bathroom, how are we going to save the planet? <laughs> like anyway. So as we were saying, the weather for the past month or so uh, has been terrible. This is just recent weather in in Britain for the past few days. But if you go back literally for the last month, it's been nonstop rain. It's been awful. Uh, as you can see, like highs of 15, lows of 14. There was one day with a high of 21. 21 Sweltering. Degrees. I know, boiling. Lows of 13, loads of 12, on, loads of 11 there. It and was it, really cold at some nights. Like it's, it's literally... Even no, in London, it was cold. November weather. Yeah. We're actually be, we've been getting in the middle of July, which has been really peculiar. And so people noticed that this didn't really correlate with the BBC maps. Sorry, what? Orange? Like deeper orange, like sorry, how how is that at ten or eleven degrees? Like <laughs> fiery orange when we've had such terrible weather, right? Uh, another point, person pointed out, look, they've got that what a yellow is eighteen degrees in Ireland. Is it yellow? And that's a, that's like nearly white hot, isn't it? You know, that's the no wonder people are like looking at this going, hang on a second, I don't really, uh, I don't really believe this, right? And so I just looked at like the hottest and the lowest months. So the Oh, sorry. We're being told that yeah, but, July was the hottest month ever. Ever. And maybe around the world, maybe on the equator. I don't know. But it's not really very relevant to us living in the Northern Hemisphere, where it's definitely not been the hottest. Uh, we're not feeling in England, basically. And of course, uh, Antonio Gutierrez of the, uh, the United Nations Secretary General. Boiling. Like, global boiling. It's global boiling, you see. Climate change is here. He flew there in his private jet. He did. Yeah, of course he did. But he says, climate change is here. It is terrifying. It is just the beginning. It is still possible to limit global temperature rise to 1.5 C above pre-industrial levels and avoid the very worst of climate change, but only with dramatic immediate climate action. But of course, it's because he works for the UN. He doesn't pay tax. He's also got diplomatic immunity. So even if he told outright stinking fibs, you couldn't prosecute him for anything. No. Say what he wants. Um, and it's weird how the... Unaccountable. It's weird how the demand is always, give us more political power, give us more political power, give us more political power. And I'm, I'm very reluctant to do that, even if that means we're going to have to install air conditioning, which seems to be the threat that we're living under. Because as far as I can tell, that's what's going to happen. But anyway, so the BBC got uh, wind of people saying, hang on a second, uh, your maps seem ridiculous. And so they gave us this chart. That's a weird chart. Because if you look at that, 
Now, the question of color is something that's unique to each individual. It's in where do you perceive one color becomes another? But I can't help but notice that three to four degrees Celsius is green, and seven to eight is grass green. Nine to ten is a very light green, and then ten to eleven is yellow. Ten to eleven degrees Celsius. Mm. Really, that's yellow. That's, is it? Yeah. That's not a comfortable temperature. Well, I put my coat on. Well, like you would, you would think that as, really... the, as the naked apes we are. Yeah. I mean, even at these temperatures, it, without clothes and heating in the winter, we couldn't survive at these levels. No, absolutely not. We would have to live at the equator. Yes, we would. And so, but the, this is the thing: why put the sort of grass green, the sort, the sort of color that makes you think of comfort, makes you think of decency and security and all these nice things that we always, you know, green is the, the, the color of goodness to humans. Why put that at seven to eight degrees Celsius? Anything above that and we're in the danger zone. Really. That's what, literally 11 to 12, it's yellow. That's a warning color. You know, 15, 16, 21 to 24, we're getting into the red. It's in the red. We're in the red. A nice summer's day. Peaking out for about an hour and a half, if you're lucky. Yeah. We always said about the weather in the UK, if you don't like it, Wait 20 minutes. Exactly. But this is the thing, 30 to 35. So now you've gone on holiday to the Mediterranean. You're on your summer holiday, blood red. Well, you're Inferno looking forward to red. Get, for an opportunity to get some sun cream out and get some vitamin D. Right. Like, the, what, the, the unbelievable drama of this color scale is just absurd. Like, this is just ridiculous. But the, the, <laughs> they say, oh, well, we haven't like changed this for greater impact. It's been this way since 2017. Is that right? So what you're saying is in 2017, you changed it for greater impact. Yes. Like, that's fine. But, but look at this. Like, three to four is still in green. One to two is the very lightest of blue. And naught to two is, like, a, a finally a blue color. It's like, sorry, it's not cold, like, the which, you know, you would think a, a solid blue color would represent a Naught cold. to minus two. Yeah, naught to minus two is where they first start going, yeah, well, that's cold. And, of course, the, the number of deaths due to cold in our country as something like 20 times the number yeah. from heat. Oh yeah. And this is this is something So that, if it were warmer, which is I think there's some debate whether it fewer people would die of the cold, yes. And also if you look back through our history, I mean the Romano warm period when they were growing yep. grapes at Hadrian's Wall and making yep. wine was a height of civilization. Yep. And then you had the sort of mini ice age in which the Thames froze over and and, and, and then this carbon dioxide business, you know. I don't know. What about percentage it. of the Atmosphere is actually carbon dioxide. Something like 16% or something, isn't it? I don't know. No, it's 325 parts per million. Oh, is it? It's 0.032 of 1%. Right. And and they're saying if it got to 0.04, it's all over. Oh, really? Oh, oh. Well, yeah, but but the optimum, optimum plant growth is around about 600. Oh, is it? We could have 30%. Well, they let people with commercial greenhouses pump extra CO2 in to increase crop production by 30%. Right. And it also reduces uh, pathogens. You're, you're far better right? informed on so this. So you can get that. 30% extra yield, and they let them pump extra mm. carbon dioxide into the uh, greenhouses, mm. somewhere between 600 parts per million, so mm. 0.06 of a percent, mm. to 1,200. See, I have no so, idea I mean, about any of that. You said 16%. Well, I mean, you I just, you just got know. that wrong by a factor of... I, oh, but, but this this is... I'm of, totally uneducated on this. What I am like good at... It's like 54 times wrong. 
That's fine. But that's for the message you've been given. Is it? Whoa, we've got no, loads no, no, of this no. calm dioxide. No, no, I you realize that below, no below, uh, below 150 parts per million, all plants die and the planet's finished. No idea. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I'm ah. the first to say I'm the least educated person in the world on this subject. Right? But I mean, CO2 is so important. I, I don't I mean, it's, I'm it's, sure it's, it is. We're looking at spending yeah. somewhere between low estimate a trillion pounds to hit net zero. Um, it, it, it'll be over four trillion. Yeah. 4,000 billion pounds, which we don't have, Yeah. to do something where the UK is less than 1% of the world emissions at the yeah. same time as China can double its emissions. Mm. So all these wind turbines, the solar panels and the electric cars mm. that are coming over here to save the planet are all being manufactured in China using fossil fuels. They can't be because recycled they're cheap. either, can they? No. Yeah. And they blow up. <laughs> anyway. So the, the thing I'm good at is just debunking BBC propaganda. And I think that this obviously seems like propaganda to me because, I mean, what they're saying is that the average winter temperature is, if you look at it, one to two, which is the average uh, winter temperature in the UK, which I confirmed, um, is uh, it's the very end of the green spectrum. It's kind of a turquoise green. And I just find that really weird. Why would you put the average winter temperature as the sort of color that is not objectionable, right? I mean, that to, to me, this is baffling because, I mean, like the average temperature that you're supposed to have indoors for, say, an elderly person is like 20 degrees to make sure that they don't get ill and don't have various mm. problems. So why would that not be the baseline you would start for, for, for the green color and then go out from the purported comfortable temperature for a human being? I think it's fair to say it, it's all propaganda, isn't it? Yes, but that's exactly... And we're terrifying the that's people exactly. who've bought into all this. And yeah. They're being pumped full of it in schools as well, mm -hmm. along with the transitioning and the sex education. Mm -hmm. um, yep, it's, it's, it's got to stop. Um, yeah, it does. I, I, I'm actually in contact with some very senior climatologists, and, and interestingly, they tell me that I mean they've got sensors all over the world that are feeding back Mm -hmm. uh, temperature all the time. And they used to get paid for this data, and they won't get paid for that data anymore because, unfortunately, the data doesn't fit the, the narrative. Oh, right. And now, okay. now can only get paid for models, well, and, they're, and they've got to be models that fit the narrative. Let's let's go on to that, actually. Right. So uh, they've been saying, well, we've got record temperatures verified. Uh, this was in 20... When was this? I do have it written down. Never mind, we'll skip that. Right, so recently they've been complaining, well, hang on a second, there are wildfires in the Mediterranean. Isn't this proof of global boiling? Uh, not no. really. Actually. It always happens. Yeah, well, that's exactly the point, yeah. Um, if I can get the Greece one. I mean, this happens literally like every, every year. other year. It's also, it's also the part of the regeneration of the vegetation. Yeah. It's totally normal. It happens all the time. Well, my, my parents lived in Menorca in Spain for yeah. 30 years. I mean, they used to have regularly have um, wildfires on the island. Yeah. It's and, not particularly warm. And that's when they're not being started by people who deliberately start them. Uh, as the uh, climate change minister for Greece says, 667 fires had erupted, and the vast majority, quote, were caused by human hands. They were either arsons by criminal negligence or by intention. Hmm. And in fact, the Wall Street Journal published an article about this saying, actually, uh, this hasn't been the case. The percentage of the globe that has been set on fire each year has actually been declining since 2001. Not according to the BBC. Well, yes. You... Where's the BBC verify unit when you really need it? They're lying about me. I know. 
Yeah. I know. Um, the <laughs> it's weird. Too busy making things yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never been to Totnes twice. I've been once. I don't know why, why the BBC said I went twice. Have they apologised? Not yet. No. I had to apologise to Farage. I know. I. I mean, Where was the BBC Verify unit over all that? Well? Uh, great question. It's almost like it's a political propaganda arm. Um, but, um, but just a quick thing here. They, they they point out that the data is unequivocal. Since the early 2000s, when 3% of the world's land caught fire, the area burned annually has trended downwards. In 2022, it's trended down to a new low of 2.2% of burned. And that goes yeah. along with all the figures for um, extreme weather, tornadoes, yep. yeah, 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 hurricanes. Yeah. Massive storms, yep. big winds. All that happens is that there's yep. less happening every than there were 30, 40, 50 years ago, but they're more reported on the television. It's, well, that's it's, exactly, all, it's all in the messaging and the marketing. That's exactly what they're saying. Instead, the media acts as if the world is ablaze. Uh, completely true. I mean, these they, there, are, there have always been wildfires. There are fewer wildfires now. The biggest power the BBC and the mainstream media have, it's actually is deciding what's the news. And they've yes. decided that this is the news. Yes. So therefore, it's, it's, yeah. it's exceptional. Yeah. And and the biggest power is the power of omission. And yes. whatever I send them as the news, like the fact that we made some discoveries about some medical treatments, they don't want to know about it. No. But yeah, so I, I thought we'd uh, we'd do a quick summary of this. Basically, uh, everyone at least is aware. Did you be, didn't believe any of that stuff? But they put on the beer. People are cancelling their summer holidays because it's too hot in yeah. the middle. Oh yeah, I, I did mean, that see was, that. That did make me chuckle. Come on, that's why people go. go. That's the entire point. I want to I swim bet, in a I warm bet, I ocean. I bet you they had more bookings. Those last few seats yeah. went with it. Oh, it's really hot out there. Honestly. Oh, that's it. I'm, I'm, I've got to go. But you can, you can feel the kind of desperation on this propaganda, right? It's like, oh, no, the weather's nice in the Mediterranean. Are you sure you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, def- it's definitely not going to rain all week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to get you can clear do what skies. You want. Yeah. You know, picnic on the beach every day. Yeah, not worry yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. But but what just going back to the uh, thing? Uh, where's the map? Right, the, these maps, I like people are totally, totally on point by pointing out that this is just awful. Because I mean, like you can see, like Switzerland there and the Alps, where it's where it's the sort of greenish color. Okay, well that that's it's ten degrees in the. Yeah, there's still snow there though. Yeah, exactly. It's it, that's it's going to be relatively chilly for summer. But it's such an obvious attempt to make people afraid of the outdoors. I hate it. I really hate this sort of stuff. It's just so dishonest. And everyone can see it. Everyone can well, see good. it. Well, you know? good. I hope everyone can see it. Well, they I mean, can. Like, to be honest, I don't watch the BBC no, I don't, I don't. from one month to another. No, I don't. But I follow their BBC weather on Twitter. Like It's been coming up in my feed. And I'm just looking at all of the responses underneath it. I have tweeted all... a bit of this. And we did yeah. a comparison of 2017. It was a yeah. German map from 2017. Yeah, yeah, and, and now and it was... And the temperatures are hotter, but it's just the map it's of the terrain. It was green. Yeah, it's yes. all green. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I'm glad, honestly, I'm really glad that there are so many people in the public who are just not taking this, you know, because this, and the BBC's, they, they put this article out, say, well, um, this is how we do it, and that's just normal, and wherever it is. Well, since 2017, when we decided to adopt this new system. Yeah, the, these, these because I mean, you can see, like, they, they, they know, they know that people are like, hang on a second, this is not representative. I mean, look at that one in 2023 where it's, you know, 2021 and it's yellow and orange. They are unappealing colors. Well, it looks like you couldn't live there. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. looks like you could. It's uninhabitable. When it, whereas, in fact, everyone was having a nice sunny afternoon. Yeah. And they're doing it on purpose. And it's barbecues. This, this, yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone's going <laughs> for barbecues. But the, this, this continual push to make you afraid 
Like, I mean, Gutierrez literally said, you know, we should be afraid. Well, they want people to give up all hope. And, they, and unfortunately, and I've, I've tested this out with um, psychologists, mm. younger people have got less resistance to this level of propaganda. They're more oh, prone to it because they don't have the life experience to realize. They don't have that, a point of reference. And also that, that, that everything in the newspapers and on the television isn't necessarily, all the government says isn't necessarily the truth. And in fact, they've got a vested so now you've, We've got to a situation now where one in three of our under 25s mm. thinks that it's not worth getting married and having children yeah. because the whole world's going to burn up in 10 years. Well, yeah, I don't think it, it is. Well it, well, it might be in nuclear war if, uh, if well. we don't stop Mr. Mr. Biden and, his, and Mr. <laughs> Sunak, but I can guarantee it won't be yeah. because of global warming. Yes, I, I am very skeptical that a 1.5 degree C increase in temperature worldwide is going to destroy anything. And also, as we put out, more carbon dioxide would increase food production, which is always helpful. Well, you would think so, but if you were, say, the Dutch government... Well, you've actually got a re-greening of the planet, you understand. Mm. So, mm. Uh, so this might, very small amount of carbon dioxide, point, you know, 325 parts per million mm. in the atmosphere, uh, 0.032 of a percent of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. To make plants grow, you need water. Mm -hmm. So you have transpiration through yep. the roots and the stomata underneath the leaves open to let the calm dioxide in. They need that in there with the water to make the sugars. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the more calm dioxide about, the less open the stomata need to be. Therefore, you lose less water because the top of the leaves are generally waxed, aren't they? I have no idea. No, they are. I'll take so your word. So you lose most of the water out of the stomata. Right. Wait, and then they're open to let the calm dioxide in. Well, if if you don't have to open the stomata underneath the leaves as much to get the calm dioxide, because there's more calm dioxide, mm -hmm. you lose less water. That then means that parts of the ground around the Sahara Desert, which don't get enough rainfall normally for plants, suddenly the plants don't need as much rainfall because they don't have to open the stomata so much. But what you're actually seeing is is the regreening. There's more there's more greening around the planet. Hmm. because of the extra CO2, because suddenly areas with lower water now can sustain plant life. Hmm. I had no idea about any of that. That's, that's, very that's, that's all science, that's, and that's 100% correct. So if, with higher, with higher uh, CO2 levels, we'll have more areas of the planet hmm. that currently haven't got plant life, will have plant life and be able to support it on lower rainfall. There's a... A NASA study that John's got up, uh, which, oh, there we which go. reinforces exactly what you're saying. <laughs> uh, uh, carbon you dioxide fertilization greening the earth, says one study. Can there we just get, get that map up, John? Yeah. So uh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. No, so no, we, we're greener than we've ever been. Yeah. I'm all for that. Oh, I am too. And I'm all for going on holiday to nice sunny places because I live in England. Um, right, okay, well, um, we'll leave that there then and go to some comments. Uh, George says, the best politician in Britain is back on the show. Oh, you've got some fans. Well, I'm the only politician on the show today anyway. Well, that's true, <laughs> uh, but you are also the best politician in Britain because you are the only one bringing this stuff up. Yeah, going against the narrative, um, yes, with all the personal risks for you that that entails, as they say. But I, I stand with the truth, and I think the people are waking up very quickly now. Oh yeah, um, and and I think that really there is there is a larger constituency of people who are switching onto this than I think the mainstream is happy to admit. Um, there and are a, and other things 
the low traffic neighbourhoods, oh, 15 minute cities nonsense. being it's pushed nonsense. through. No one's voted for it. No. Those people are, are, are yeah. coming on board um, as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the more intrusive it becomes in people's daily lives, the more reason they've got to actually look into this. Yes. Say, hang on a second, what's happening here? Why am I being told I can't drive my car to town and how that's going to save the planet? It's not going to save the planet. And, and all the studies show that it creates more pollution because people have to travel further to get out of wherever they're living. Yeah. So it makes their journeys longer. So it's nothing to do with, 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 with pollution and the environment reducing No, it's that. about control. It's about control. Well, I mean, if it, if it really was, was about having... Uh, all the facilities you need to live your life, the shops. Yeah, the 15-minute cities. 15-minute cities. Surely what they do first is put the amenities in, Yes. not the cameras and the bollards. Yes. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly it. Now that's we've got exactly them, right. you see. Now we've yeah. got them. This that, that, that's exactly the point. Well, okay. If They've just been put in. They've just had an announcement. A, a friend of mine lives in Exeter. Yeah. They've just announced they're doing it there. Uh, but why, and what? they're going in at the end of uh, – they just told them yeah. that, that they're going in at the end of August. Mm-hmm. And I just tweeted this morning the queue of people that went to the council to complain about because they have no consultation. They've yeah, been yeah. told they bring it in. Now they're being told, but it's only a pilot oh, for 18 months. Well, what? And they're going to take the cameras out after they've spent all these yeah, money? No, if they're not going to. The no, no, they're lying to continue. you. They're lying to you. But and, and this is the thing is like, I can tell, I can always tell because if, if it really was, we just want everyone to have all the amenities they need within 15 minutes. Then you would just install the amenities. You would. You and, wouldn't al- do and also, else. I tweeted out this morning. Um, I got sent something last night. It was fascinating. Mm. Obviously, uh, the uh, Uxbridge and South Ryslip by election, the people voted conservative, thought that they were going to stop ULES. Yeah. No. I, well, if you, have, if you have a look on my, I, I on, my, your, on my Twitter. I saw your tweet the, about it. Shaps. Shaps in, in 2020 yeah. told, um, yeah. told Khan to do it, yeah. extend the ULES. So it's a total theatre, isn't it? It's a pantomime. Yeah. The Uniparty. Yeah. They agree on all the big, the Labour and the Conservatives, the SNP and the Liberal Democrats, net zero, yeah. um, the vaccines, the lockdowns. Um, yeah, they, they agree on, yeah. on, on pretty much all of it. And again, the, if, if it was just... And we have a saying in this. Parliament, which, is, which I heard like 14 years ago when I arrived, God. it's never been proven wrong. Whenever all the major parties agree on anything, it's always bad for the people. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's always bad. Yeah. It's but, always bad. There's, there's no reason to use the, the, the stick. HS2. HS2. It, that was one they all agreed. Yeah, but they, but they could get any result they wanted by just using the carrot, you know, their nudge theory. It's just like, look, if you just incentivize people to have this thing, then you will get that thing eventually just over a process of time. Okay, the shops are 15 minutes away. It's a lot more convenient. It'll just happen. You, you, you don't have don't need to, to put be, the barriers there. Yeah, you don't have to be a tyrant. You know, you can get the result you're looking for by just offering people a good thing. But of course, if we end up with central it. bank digital currencies, they're programmable. What happens when you can't well, yeah. work 15 minutes? Exactly. This is, this is what people are being... Yeah, Rishi, yeah, Rishi Sinek's on top of this as well, isn't he? The central bank digital currency. But he's sitting on top of the digital ID because it'll be yeah. the father-in-law that makes all the money. Yeah. Infosys. Yeah. And that's just never be allowed. And they, and they will literally have money that doesn't function in different regions because they will be able to do that. And it won't be able to buy certain things if they decide yep. you can't buy... Yep. You and, can't buy petrol. And they, you haven't got. You 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 can't have a car. And so do you, we think that they won't tie this to the NHS? Say, oh, you, you're you're eating that fatty food. You must you have your. You're, you're not up to date with all your vax. Your MH, yep. MI, yep. mRNA vaccines. Yep. Therefore, you, you only get seventy five percent of your yep. allotment. This. 
Yeah. Or you, you can't buy chocolate because you haven't done enough running today or something like that. I don't know. Who knows where this goes? It's terrible, terrible future we're looking well, at. Well, I think I think most of the politicians will be running for the hills if when this all comes out, to be honest. I hope so. They'll they'll, they'll be excused from any of this nonsense, won't they? Um anyway, let's let's go on some more comments. Uh the real Bigfoot, I I'm skeptical of that name. Uh says, as a father and a nurse, I'd like to thank Andrew for his doggedness and determination against the government overreach in the last few months, uh years. Uh, patients deserve choice. The attitudes towards the NHS nurses re- regarding the vaccine has left me greatly jaded towards the NHS. Uh, I guess he's one of the 66% of NHS. I nurses. have had a lot, a lot of, over the last nine, 10 months, I've had a lot of emails from NHS staff, which, yeah. Uh, Joshua asks, can you talk more about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? It was a thing that it disappeared and I've heard nothing about it. That's because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Um, yeah. All, I got my data from America when someone sent me a, mm-hmm. an American report and from a certain date about two months ago, two and a half months ago, um, they decided it wasn't, it didn't say it wasn't safe, but it clearly it was safety concerns. So it was to stop being rolled out immediately and all stocks to be destroyed. But I mean, if it was, they would just run the stocks out if it had been, if it wasn't a safety issue, surely. Why would you Why be would so you worried? About it's it? interesting, as I say, that, it, that the Johnson Johnson, the the uh, the way that that that, that so called experimental vaccine mm-hmm. was exactly the same format as the AstraZeneca one, which is was DNA, not mRNA, mm-hmm. inside an adenovirus vector to get it into the cell. So I'm I'm no biologist, as I think has been demonstrated uh, in this podcast. What's the difference between the DNA and the mRNA? Ones? Well, the DNA is is the genome, so that's the, that's what uh, deoxyribonucleic acid. I know that, what that that's is. what ma- that's what makes up. That's yeah. in the nucleus of every one of your cells. Yeah. When that splits, mm-hmm. uh, you make a copy. That's in. So you're making a mirror version. Mm-hmm. That becomes that's messenger RNA. Right. And then the ribosomes zoom along that, and three base pairs of RNA they code for a protein. Mm-hmm. So it builds a protein up. And normally, after one whip through with the ribosome, that RNA is gone. Right. But what we do know with the vaccines, they're not necessarily messenger RNA. They were modified RNA, which means they were hanging around for a lot, lot longer. Is this uh, connected to that? Have you seen the Died Suddenly film, right? I'm afraid I have, yes. Yeah. And the, these fibrous strings that the coroners are pulling out of bodies. Well, that... that, that is that in any way connected to that? Well, I've seen another report from Germany that they, they pulled it, that out of, they took a blood sample from a lady who was suffering from, basically her legs had gone numb below the knees. They took blood samples from her lower legs and it looked pretty normal. Uh, but it, when it cooled, there was a big blob of spike protein there. God. And it was about 15% of by volume. And they believe that fifteen percent. Yes, but, but obviously, a blood is spike protein. Yes, and, then, awful. And, and, and then what happens is, and obviously, when you pass away, your body cools, and, yeah. it, and that's when that congeals. that it congeals, and it is actually in in right. in those of us who've been vaccinated, it's blood. Jesus, every time I talk to you, Andrew, I just. Thank my lucky stars. I'm such a skeptic of you, government. You have to rub it in, don't you? <laughs> no, I'm not rubbing it in. I'm not. But I'm just, I'm just sat there thinking, thank God, I just am a paranoid conspiracy theorist. Really, that's that's all I'm coming out with. It's just that, thank God, I'm just, I totally distrust all of these people. 
I but, knew well, I was well, right. I mean, and, you know, I, I keep quoting in the chamber uh, Sir Richard Dearlove. Yeah. And um, whether it was about the passing of sovereignty to the European Union through yeah. the European um, Defence Union. And I'm accused of being a conspiracy theorist, but I'm actually quoting Sir Richard Dearlove, who was the chief uh, in charge oh, of all our spy. And, and he's, he's actually tweeted today, which I'll be tw- retweeting yeah. later, <clears throat> that we'll never sort out the issue of the Ukraine war until we sort out the corruption. Well, yeah, that's, good luck with that. Again, billionaire comedians leading countries. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Um, you, know, you know, when my wife was pregnant with my youngest daughter, Six nothing to ago. do with me, I promise you. No, I know. Um, the the hospital were pushing her to get the vaccine when she was pregnant. I wouldn't recommend pregnant ladies no. even have an aspirin. No. no. Well, that was the thing. I mean, they tell them not to no, have no, coffee and no, no, don't a, have alcohol. Exactly. Yeah, she's not supposed to but have... have a have an experimental vaccine yeah. that was never tested yeah. on pregnant they, women. They were trying to get to stop drinking Diet Coke. And I was like, okay, well, you know, fair enough. And then they're like, okay, but take this. There are vaccine. several things that the government have stopped reporting on a regular basis. And they stopped yeah. in 2020, mysteriously. One was deaths by blood clots, mm-hmm. and the other is the, re- the reporting of stillbirths. Yeah, I saw. Um, Miscarriages. I saw a, a, a bunch of things where initially our. Thrombosis UK charity put a paper out a couple of months ago saying we've got this epidemic of people dying from blood clots, and we haven't had the data for three years. The government aren't producing the data anymore. But also, uh, so many women reporting... Could make you into a conspiracy theorist, couldn't it? Well, uh, already did. Uh, so many women reporting that um, their their fertility cycle, their menstrual cycle... Menstrual cycle. ...has been totally messed up by the vaccine. Yes. And I've heard, uh, like... Of, uh, but we originally told, told about and, the vaccine that yeah. you know, not only is it going to start be contracting, transmitting the virus, but it's going to stay in the uh, yeah, yeah. injection point. Well, I mean, that wasn't true either. Why would that be true? Like, why would it be true? Doesn't your blood flow circulate around? Well, you're not supposed body? to. It's not supposed to go into a blood vessel. That's why it's been oh, put into your into your your deltoid or whatever is muscle. Oh, I'll, muscle. I, I'll take um, their word for but, that. But, they, but the injections weren't aspirated, where you push the needle in, yeah. draw back to see if you get any blood, then you'd know you're in a blood vessel and you wouldn't inject. Right. They didn't do that. Right. Not in this country. Right. God, I'm so glad I'm a conspiracy theorist. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I know well, I keep bringing it up. It's every time. It's better to be a, I was always told it's better to be a conspiracy theorist than have myocarditis. It's better to be safe than sorry, right? That's the thing. That's what, like for a for a, a, a pandemic, a disease that had, that had at least a ninety nine point eight percent survival rate. Yeah, and it was something like eighty seven percent if you were over eighty two. It's like right, if almost every old person uh, is that's, going that's to survive longer than normal longevity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the, and the government wanted us to jab babies yeah. down to six months. I mean, you, we saw the Boris's WhatsApp, where it's like, so what? If you get COVID, you live longer. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of. But he sort of changed his tune. He did, and it was really insufferable. If we want to talk about Boris Johnson, I mean, now he's now we can to, very briefly, very briefly. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Well, now he's out of Parliament. I mean, he's earning mega bucks. He's basically a lobbyist for the military-industrial complex to keep the war going. Really? And I think when you find out that in March last year, he went over and kiboshed the peace deal between mm. Ukraine and Russia that had been brokered by the Israelis, yeah. um, he's got a lot of blood on his hands. But he's making a lot of money. Uh, and all these, you know, no one really wants to pay him a quarter of a million pounds for a 20-minute speech in New York. No. No, but that's but, but that's it's all sponsored been, by the right people. But that's always been the case, isn't it? Because I mean, he's going to come back to politics. Isn't he? 
that's the thing. Not if I have my way. Really? <laughs> no, no. Well, I, yes, remember, I've got history. So, I mean, I was one of the people who persuaded him to become, to back leave. He was completely ambivalent. He's no leaver. He doesn't, no, no. He was looking for his own political advantage. And also, if you, if you go and get the video clips, I, he was with me in my constituency because I led the leave campaign for the East Midlands. Yeah, yeah. The day before the referendum, when I told him, You'd, we're definitely going to win tomorrow. Yeah. And you see the look on his face. Oh. That wasn't what he wanted. That wasn't the plan. Really? No. Not at all. Not at all. Boris Johnson is not what you think he is. Well, he's very. I, I'm. He's a, He's nearly. Well, he's nearly as good an actor as um, Zelensky. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. And no wonder they get on well together. I don't think very much about Boris Johnson. Um, I. I think he's a very. Yeah, a very good front man. Charismatic. He's got a lot of front. Yeah, he does. Anyway, um, uh, Rue the Geneva Convention says it's hilarious how we're expected to eat up all of these contradictions without question, and it's disgusting how often it works. The dissonance is becoming physically painful. Yeah, I feel you. Honestly, I really do. Um, Jonathan says, I personally recognize exactly what Andrew Bridgen is talking about by the extremely early and appropriate understanding of sexuality. Having lost my virginity at the age of 11, I've seen how my life has been absolutely affected and damaged by the experiences I went through in my childhood. It saddens me greatly that this is just getting worse. Yep. I mean, my, my son's nearly nine years old. He has got no interest in. If you were, if you or I were to get some photos, some pictures of male and female genitalia, and go down and show them to five-year-olds, surely that would be a criminal offence, wouldn't it? Appropriately so, yeah. Quite rightly so, yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but when it's being done for the left wing's agenda, it's so all right, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's all for their own good. Yeah. It's, well, I'm not sure it is. I, I. We need to stop it immediately. Yeah. It's, it's Rishi needs to grow some. Okay, I can send you some photographs. He knows what he needs to grow. Tell me about Rishi Sunak because I Rishi Sunak. Yeah, he he just seems like I mean he's got the demeanor of a CBBS presenter. Yeah, but I'm I, I, looking down on him from the back row back row of the chamber on the opposition benches. I mean, I'm, I'm reminded just standing next. To I'm him. I'm reminded of um, of what Winston Churchill said of Clem Attlee is a modest little man with a lot to be modest about, really. Um, he looks very small. He yeah. can barely look, peer over the yeah, uh, yeah. over but, the dispatch. But box. why is he? And also, he's, he's a man whose whose wife has got all the money, so he's, yeah. he's not a man who rules his own life. So, but why does he do any of the things that he does? Like, I can't seem to divine any actual kind of personality in the man. Um, I'm afraid. I think the whole thing's completely corrupt, from top to bottom, and it has been for a very long time. So what, what what do you mean there? Like, is he someone else's puppet? I for years in Parliament, we kept looking. I, and with my staff, I kept looking at we kept looking at legislation that was going through under a Conservative yeah. government. And I think I've said to you before, I, I, yeah. I came into politics to try and do good things for my constituents and the country. And I spent most of my time in in politics stopping bad things happening, being inflicted by my own government. Yeah. And people will say, well, if you're stopping bad things happening and that's the same as doing good, isn't it? Well, kind but it, of. But it's not as satisfying, is yeah. it? Why, not why, like it's your own government. Why, why and do, I always question, why are we doing this? Yeah. Why are we doing this? And I, I th- yeah. it looks like a bit of a conspiracy. But I also, but I looked at the characters, you know, Cameron Osborne, yeah, and then Theresa May, yeah. Boris Johnson, Rishi. They're not bright enough to run a conspiracy. So it's got to be cock up, hasn't it? Because they're, they're just not bright enough. Well, that, that's... But, but then, but then you realise it's not. It's not their conspiracy. They're only puppets. And then it's all They're the just same. being paid off by someone else. Yeah. 
Well, it, also, mm. what we've got to bear in mind, Carl, is that all the all the weird stuff that's inexplicable that's happening in this country, it's happening. It's everywhere else, everywhere else around the world at the same time, you know. And all the the COVID response, the pandemic response, the lockdowns, the mandates. I mean, not we can't we can't blame it all on Matt Hancock. He wasn't the health secretary in America's Canada, Australia, New Zealand, but the same weird stuff was going on. So, who who are we looking at behind? The front men. Then. Well, you've only got to read the books and and Mr. Mr. Schwab and the the World Economic but, but, Forum. So okay, so the, this is interesting because a lot of people say, well, look, Klaus Schwab is not as influential as you think. He's not in control of these things. No, he's just. Prof- well, he did say that they've, in, they've infiltrated all the cabinets around the world. He and, did say that, yeah. You know, and you've got you know Trudeau's. So you, you Trudeau's think- quite happily taken Canada, which was always my bolt hole. I always thought if things went really tits up in the UK. Yeah. Canada. Yeah, you can't go there. You can't go there. I mean, that was the, the best standard of living anywhere in the world for 30 years, and one That's one rogue prime minister has ruined it. I mean, he's ruined Canada. He's finished that place off. Um, yeah, we've got nowhere to There's nowhere to run. We've got to stand and fight because there is nowhere to run. It's the same weird stuff. I, I mean, I've spoken to wide-awake senators in Australia, yeah. and you know, and they've got the same problem with transsexuals going in and yeah. teaching the children all but so, about. It, who, who, like, who would you actually? What organisations are we talking? Like Tony Blair Institute, the Bill Gates Institute. Well, Tony Blair's looking to take over the WEF from. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. So, so we would say. Yeah. yeah. Tony Blair, the WEF. I think Tony Blair was when it all started going seriously wrong. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And things like you know they will never admit to you. Tony Blair signed us up to the European Defence Initiative. Yeah. They never told the people. And it's been carried on by every conservative prime minister since without telling the people. Why? Because they know it's politically unacceptable what they've decided they're going to do it. I think they were all promised big cuts. Imagine amalgamating all the defence procurement of Europe, same ammunition suppliers, yeah, everything. There's a huge but I mean, amount of money. Huge amount of money for the contracts. I mean, it doesn't make military or political sense to me because if you centralise all of that, you, you make yourself vulnerable one one strike and you have yeah. but also you, you, there is no sovereignty yeah. whatever we do and also during Brexit we pretty much the message was we can't talk about defence yeah because that was already sorted right and there can be no no there's no sovereignty without sovereignty of defence is yeah. there no there's I, no no sovereignty of defence if you don't have control of your own manufacturing your own ammunition yeah. so we can say well you know a small island one of our overseas territories is being threatened we want to go and defend it we're not sending you the ammunition. Hmm. Well, that's our policy, gone, isn't it? We, how are yeah. we an independent nation? I'll make a little prediction that within the next two to three years, our independent nuclear deterrent will not be ours. It'll be under the auspices of France, Germany, and the EU. They want they want their own nuclear deterrent, and we'll be desperate for money. And they will, so we'll sell. So it. there'll be a vote, and, and effectively, we could say no, we don't want to fire them. And France and Germany say yes, we do, and then they'll they'll go. Really? Yes. I have no idea. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes, so that's, that's where I think we'll be. We won't. Our in, we'll, we'll, we will sell away our independent nuclear share for Germany and France. Effectively, it'll be a European. We're going to be into that, no doubt whatsoever. Well, I mean, and I say once, wrong. once, once the once the you know they make you know Belgium make all the armored personnel carriers, yeah. Germany make the tanks because they're good at that sort of thing, and we might be doing some of the aeroplanes, but the ammunition's coming from France. I mean that's it. I mean, yeah. if they don't send them, we, we that's our what we can decide whatever policy we want in our parliament. Yeah. But we haven't got any materials. Can't do it. So where where would you put the locus of decision making for this international? Well, well, I think 
Keir Starmer summed it up when Davos, when yeah. he came back from Davos. He was interviewed by Laura Koonsberg, yeah. and I put that out. That got millions of. Yeah, yeah. I said this, is, and from his own own lips, Koonsberg asked him, "You know, where do you prefer Davos or Westminster?" And he said, "I prefer Davos. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can do business with these people. Yeah. And, you know, basically, they suit his temperament as well." Well, I mean, he knows where the power and the money is, and he took his whole whole cabinet out there. Well, I mean, why is Bill Gates fated every time he comes to this country? He goes to see. He can walk in with any prime minister, and and he can do all that. Uh, he was he was with uh, Shaps talking about managing climate change. He was with Barclay talking about pandemic responses. What are his qualifications in any of this? All he does is he puts money in and makes money out of it. And I really object. You know, the BBC no advertising. Gates had put all the money through uh, his foundation into the uh, COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. And then he was allowed on the BBC to say, everyone's got to take these vaccines. Well, surely that was advertising his own products, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that's, that was against the BBC charter, but not for Bill Gates, because his foundation also gives the BBC a lot. of. He's bought everybody. And I'll tell you something which, which I only, re, only remembered, which, is, which will shock your... You're, go on. Go on. He's thinking, Get go on, go on. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, go, where's so, this so, going? So you'll remember, we got, you know, I, got, I got first elected when in 2010. Yeah. We didn't get enough for a majority, so we had to do a deal with the Lib Dems. Took about a week or so mm-hmm. of horse trading. Mm-hmm. Then we got the message, go to committee room 14. The prime minister is going to address you. The deal's done. He's been to see the queen. It's now David Cameron, his prime minister. So all the Conservative MPs went to Committee Room 14, which is where the 1922 committee meet, every Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Guess who walked in behind David Cameron on that, on that day the deal was done? We're not going to say Bill Gates, are we? Yes. Bill Gates walked in behind him. David Cameron introduced him, and he said, yeah, I think you'll recognise this gentleman. He could smell the power. He was already there. And Bill Gates gave us a lecture about some wonderful vaccines he was developing that you're going to like. You are kidding. I'm not. It's just a coincidence anyway. Just a coincidence. Yeah, what was Bill Gates doing? <laughs> just on Cameron's first Just happened to be there on the day on the day, day we had, on the day run of a new, ship, yeah. yeah, the deal was done and he got a chance to address all the conservative... Well, I asked him a question. I asked Bill Gates a question. Go on. Um, I asked him because he was talking about his vaccines yeah. and eradicating polio. And I said, are there any countries you won't deal with because you don't agree with the political system that they're implementing or the you know, dict- dictators? Yeah. He said no. Why would he care? Why would he care? Well, I wasn't quite as awake then as yeah. I was. If, if, if I were to meet him now, I might ask him some different questions. I might ask him, you know, what was the attraction of Epstein's Island for Man who can well, he did, have whatever he, he wants, whenever he, he, he wants. He did say that uh, he couldn't get into that lifestyle himself, which means that he knew all about what was happening with Epstein, possibly dabbled in it. Who knows? But I mean, I think, you know, a man with his wealth can have whatever he wants, yeah. when he wants, where he wants. I mean, I, I don't see what the, what the attraction of the island would be and a character like Jeffrey Epstein. I'd say this, but we're out of time. So, uh, Andrew, you'll have can... to invite me again. So I will definitely have you. <laughs> I I did not know that Bill Gates was bloody there and Cameron. Um, yes, I'm afraid he was. Fascinating. He can smell the power. 
where can people go if they want to follow you? If they want to follow me, um, Twitter is a good yeah. one, yeah. at Abridgen. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so follow him on Twitter. And uh, thanks for doing what you're doing, by the way. Yes. I, think well, I, I, I will do what I, I'm doing for yeah. as long as they allow me to do it. Yeah. And at the next election, that will be down to the people of North West Leicestershire. Right. Godspeed. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Thank you.